year at Generation Church, we have a theme for the year. And uh, what the theme does, it basically, it uh, enables us to center what we talk about on a Sunday morning, the songs that we sing, the outreach events that we do, the things that, uh, the people that we support, missionaries that we support, and different ones, and, it, and we center everything around a theme. So in 2013, we started this uh, Generation Church tradition, and we started with a theme called Everyone a Missionary. And what that meant was that we believed that everybody, uh, part of our church, was a missionary. Not someone who would go to Africa or India or to China and, uh, and, and, and go and live amongst native people there. But in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, in the schools that you're part of, um, in your family, in your friends, amongst the circle of family and friends that you have, we believe that God had created you as a missionary to go and tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. And so everything we did was about becoming local missionaries. And then last year in 2014, we had a theme called Be Aware. And what that meant was that we were to be aware of what God was doing in our lives, what God was doing in our church, and the people that God was bringing into our lives so that we could speak into. So we did certain sermon series, like we did the Numa one, where we talked about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we did one where we said uh, um, the Summer of Love, when we talked about, about loving others. Uh, we did about dream killers, where we talked about uh, the purpose that God has for us and being aware of the purpose God has for us. And now 2015, we've got a brand new theme. And I believe this theme that we're going to center uh, the life of our church for the next 365 days around is going to be something that's going to impact your lives in a huge way. I believe that God's going to use what we're going to talk about and what we're going to send you as a church to, to unlock some things in your life so that some of the things that you've been praying and asking God for that haven't happened may happen this year. I believe God's got some big things for you this year. And I'm, I'm praying and I'm believing that the theme that we believe God has given us for this year is going to help bring some of that uh, into existence for, for, you, for you guys. So the theme for this year is called Thy Kingdom Come. Thy Kingdom Come. And I, I, as I was looking through uh, every year, I uh, go through a time of prayer and fasting in January. And every year I write down, I have some little prayer journals, and I often write in a prayer journal just some of my, my prayers and my thoughts, just so I can go back over later and take a look and see if God has answered that prayer or if God hasn't answered that prayer. And I was looking through some of my prayer journals uh, uh, the, the, this past week, and, and I looked through one of them, and it was my prayer journal from 2013. And at the very start, it had three requests that I wanted from God for 2013. Uh, I'll, talk, I'll tell you about what the number one, one was in a minute. But let me tell you about the, the second two. The second two was, the, first one, the, the second one was that God would cause Generation Church to multiply numerically. We've been through a pretty tough season in 2012, and it had been pretty tough. We had worked really hard, and we weren't seeing the growth that we, we, we thought that we were going to see. And so we prayed that God would numerically increase us in 2013. Well, I did. 
And then the second, sorry, the third request that I had was for the church to be able to support me full time so I didn't have to work a second job as well. And the reason was is because I just grown tired of working two jobs at the time. And uh, I was just like, man, I just want to work for the church. I don't want to work for anybody else. And for those of you who don't know, I, I also have a second job. Everyone in the church is a volunteer. And as I was looking over those, those requests, I started looking at them and thinking, man, they were just really selfish prayer requests. Really selfish prayer requests. The reason they were selfish is because there were, they were requests to lessen the tension in my life. And they weren't thy kingdom come kind of prayer requests. Yeah, we want the church to grow, but the reality was I wanted it to grow so it could relieve some of the tension off me. I wanted to go full time in the church at the time because I wanted to relieve some of the tension off me. And they had become pretty selfish prayer requests. And then my first request, the number one request I had in 2013, and I showed my wife Raquel this the other day, and we just laughed. And the request was this, for Raquel to become pregnant, 2013. You know what happened? It didn't happen. I didn't come full-time at the church. The church did grow, but not in the way I had prayed it to grow. And Raquel did not get pregnant. And sometimes we go through life where we ask God of things and God does not answer. And we ask God, why? Why have you not answering my prayer? Why are you not doing the things that I want you to do? And then we quote scripture to God and we say, God, you said in your word this, this, and this, but yet nothing happens. And that's what happened to me in 2013. And it was a crazy year. We moved buildings. I got a kidney stone. And, uh, and you know, we did a whole lot of stuff. Then 2014 came, and I wrote in my prayer journal again. And I got out my prayer journal, and I wrote my request. And you know what? My first request had not changed. But the way I said it had changed. My request was not for Raquel to become pregnant. You know what I wrote in my prayer journal? I wrote... Father, give us a child that will be used for your kingdom more than what I will ever be used in my life. That's what we prayed. You know what happened? Raquel got pregnant. April of this year, we're going to have our first little child. For those of you who don't know, we, we were struggling through infertility for, four, for, for nine years. And God answered the prayer in 2012, I mean 2014. In 2013, he didn't answer the prayer, but in 2014, he did answer the prayer. And I ask you today, in 2015, what are your prayer requests? What are you asking God for this year? What do you believe in God? What do you need God to do in your life this year, this very year, 2015? See, many of you, you're not even asking God for anything anymore. For many of you, you've stopped asking God because you don't think that God is listening to you. Maybe others have become despondent with asking. Maybe you just haven't seen that answer to prayer and you've prayed and prayed and you've asked and asked and others have come and prayed with you, but you have not seen that answer to prayer and you've become despondent with asking God because you know that God can save you from your sins. 
You know that maybe you, you know that you've given your life to Jesus Christ, and when you die, you're going to go to heaven, but you're not believing that God's going to answer your prayers because you've asked and asked and asked, and God has not given. You've not seen what you expected. And I believe, as believers of Jesus Christ, that we need to become what I call kingdom-minded. Kingdom-minded. When we ask God, uh, we need to become kingdom-minded. The reason is, is because in the kingdom of God, and Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God, but in the kingdom of God, there is answers to your prayers, there is peace for today, and there is so much hope for tomorrow, all in the kingdom of God. But for most part, most of our prayers, including myself, are so self-focused, and they're not kingdom, what I call kingdom-focused. Let me, let me explain to you. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at two sets of scriptures today. One's found in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 16. If you don't have them, you can follow them along on the screen. And then also, if you want to bookmark Luke chapter 11 as well. Luke chapter 11. So Matthew uh, chapter 16, and we're going to start reading at verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 13. This is what it says. When Jesus came to the region of uh, Caesarea Philippi, and that was in the northeast of the region where Jesus lived and Jesus did his work. When the, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah. Or one of the other prophets. Then Jesus asked them, But who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter which means rock or little rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So here Jesus says to Peter, Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. How many of you have got children who are either teenagers or now they've gone into adulthood? You want to ra raise your hand? A few of you. Not many of you. A lot of you got like, like little babies because like our nursery is crowded and too many babies. Don't drink the water here. You'll have a baby. Um, but for those of you who've got teenagers or you've got adult children, you know the time came or the time is coming where one day you're going to pass those keys of your car to that child of yours. 
Some of you, you're thinking, no, I'm never going to pass the keys to my car, to my child. Others of you, you've regretted passing the keys to your child. Now, all good parents, if you're a good parent, just tell your kid, so you're just going to have to walk everywhere. You know, I'm like, you're not going to want to give the keys to your car to your parents. My father actually never let me drive his car at all. And when I became, when I came 17, I got myself my own car. I paid for it my own, with my own money. I got my own insurance. And I went to go out in the car, and my dad says, no. He says, just because you've got a license and a car doesn't mean that you're qualified to drive on the road. So for like a month in my car, he wouldn't let me go anywhere unless he was with me. I mean, it was just the worst ever. But anyway, but many of you, you are going to give your child the keys to your car. And what you're saying to your child is, now you have access to my car. Now you have permission to drive that car wherever it may go. Now, they may look at the car and stay on the outside and look at the car and think, oh, isn't that a nice car? But unless they actually get in it, turn the ignition on and drive, that car is useless. And when you give them the keys to the car, then you're giving them access and permission to use what is yours. And this is what Jesus did to Peter. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus turned to Peter and he says, Peter... I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I'm going to give you permission and access to the kingdom. And then he says, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit or allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. See, when you get the keys, you get permission. And if God gives you the keys to the kingdom then he wants to use you, he wants to build upon you, and he wants to do things with your life. And this is what happened to Peter. Jesus looked at Peter, and he said to Peter, he says, Peter, on you I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build upon you on this foundation, and here are the keys. I'm giving you access and permission to my kingdom. It means that he gives you the ability and the authority to access what he accesses. It means he gives you the ability and the authority to access his permission. The ability and the authority to access his strength. The ability and the authority to access the power of the kingdom of heaven. And when you have access... You have the ability also to give access to others. You know, if, you, if any of you went to my house right now and you tried to get in, you would not be able to get in. Unless you're like the master thief and the master like burglar, then you will not be able to get in because the doors are locked. You need a key to get into the front door. And so many of us, we are trying to ask of God, and we're trying to get from God what we want, but we haven't even accessed the front door of the kingdom of heaven because we haven't been given the keys to the kingdom. Let me tell you what I mean. Let's turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. It says here, it says, Once Jesus was in a certain place, and he was praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John's 
taught his disciples to pray. So Jesus is there praying, and if you read any of the Gospels, the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will find that Jesus regularly went to pray in different places. And you'll see that, that the disciples came up to Jesus, and they'd seen something in Jesus. They'd been around Jesus long enough to know that when Jesus asked God for something, God gave it. They'd been around Jesus long enough to know that when Jesus prayed for someone to be healed, they were healed. He'd been around, they'd been around Jesus long enough to, to know if someone was possessed by an evil spirit, Jesus could deliver that person. They'd seen Jesus do amazing things. And I can just imagine the disciples thinking, Jesus, how can you do it and we can't? Tell us the secret. See, the Bible says one time that the disciples went out and they tried to cast an evil spirit out of someone and they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, he says, well, that kind of spirit can only be uh, delivered from, by prayer and fasting. And so there had been times when the disciples had tried to copy Jesus, but they had failed. And so they asked Jesus, what's the secret? Don't you hate it when somebody knows a secret and you don't know the secret? Maybe like you're baking like grandma's cookies or something. And you're trying to bake them and they never come out the same. And you're like, grandma, how, why do my cookies not come out the same as yours? And she says, oh dear, it's because I've got a secret ingre- ingredients. And you're like, well, share it with me. She goes, I'll share it in my will, you know. Or, 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 or other times where, you know, you'll, you'll go somewhere or, or maybe you're at school and, and, and somebody knows something and you don't. And you're just like, oh man, I wish I knew the secret. There's a game that I like to play. It's called... I'm going to the picnic. And I don't know if any of you have ever played this game before, but the first time I played it, I felt like a complete fool. The game goes like this. Basically, you've got one person who starts. They're like the master of the game. And they say, I'm going to the picnic, and I'm taking, and they list an object. So maybe they'll say, I'm taking a sandwich. And then the next person, like we're in a, you're in a circle, the next person then will try to say, I'm going to the picnic, and I'm taking a sandwich, and then I'm taking something else. So they may say, I'm taking potatoes. And the master of the game, the one who starts it, can either say, yes, you're coming to the picnic, or no, you're not coming to the picnic. Because the master has a secret. There's a secret ingredient to, to what they are saying. Maybe it's that all the things that go to the picnic need to be the same. Uh, the, 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 letter, the, the name, that it's, the word that is spelt needs to be the same uh, letter. So maybe everything needs to be S's. And you don't know it and you're trying to work it out. Maybe they just like cough before they say it. And you don't know it and you've got to work it out. And so they're going to say, yes, you can come to the picnic. Or no, you can't come to the picnic. So the first time I played this, I was playing it. There was like two guys and eight girls. And everybody had got it. And all nine of them had got it except for me. And they were going around, and I kept coming up. Yeah, I'm going to the picnic, and I'm saying this. And, and they were like, no, you can't come to the picnic. No, nope, you can't come to the picnic. And they started laughing at me. And I was just like, this game sucks. You know what I mean? I hate this game. And, and so eventually, I discovered the secret. And I think it was like the la- all the last words ended with Y or something. And I discovered the secret, and suddenly it was like, whoa, I've got the secret. And so I played that game with lots of other people, and now I know how to play it a little bit better. I get it a little quicker, and I laugh at other people, you know. 
But don't you hate it when other people know a secret and you don't? And this is the disciples. They're like, Jesus, tell me the secret. What is the secret to your prayers? How are you able to do what you can do and we can't do it? And you know what I've discovered? So many of us, we're asking God for things, but we fail to ask God, how should we ask you? The disciples, they had this profound moment. I mean, saying, instead of saying, God, uh, let, let us do what you can do. Instead, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. This is my prayer from 2013. God, give us a baby. God, give us an increase at Generation Church. God, let me go full time at Generation Church. And you know what happened? God was just like, no, that isn't what I want to hear. 2014 came and I said, God, give us a child that's going to be used more for your kingdom than I will ever be. And you know what happened? I believe that God's heart melted because it was in the way that you ask. You know, if your children come up to you and you say, hey, mom, or they just go, yo, give me a cookie. You know, what are you going to say? You're like, where's your manners? Slap across the face, you know? But if your child comes up to you and they're like, you know, maybe you dad, you got little girls and they start fluttering their like little eyelids at you. And they're like, daddy, 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 please, can you give me a cookie? And they're like, shh, don't tell your mommy, but sure, here you go. Right? It's in the way that you ask. And, and this is what they were saying. Jesus, teach us, how should we ask the Father? How should we pray? And this is what he says. Jesus says, This is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. Give us each day the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. You see, in this prayer right here, there's three requests. The first is a request for provision. He says, give us this day our daily bread, or give us the food that we need for today, provision. The second one is relational reconciliation. Relational reconciliation, the the ability to forgive and to be forgiven. He says, forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Then the third prayer here is the prayer to overcome, the request to overcome. It says, don't let us yield to temptation. Let us overcome the things that are causing us to fall and stumble in our lives. For God to provide, for God to mend and heal relationships, and to God to help you to overcome a fear, a hurt, a sin. I bet if you've got prayers for 2015, if you have things that you are asking God for in 2015, they are probably going to come in one of those three categories. For God to provide, maybe you're asking for God to provide financially in your life. Maybe for God to help you to get out of debt. Maybe you're asking for God to provide you with a job or for God to provide you with a child. Maybe you're asking God to, to provide you with an open door and a new job. Maybe you're asking God to provide you with a new pastor, right? I mean, that sounds wonderful. But you're asking God to provide. Or maybe you're asking God to, 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 to help you relationally. God, help me to forgive that person who hurt me deeply. 
Help me to forgive my husband or wife who betrayed my trust. Help me to forgive uh, that one at work who keeps trying to like sabotage everything I'm doing. Forgiveness. Or maybe it's to overcome a sin or a temptation in your life. Maybe you're like, God, help me to stop looking at other people the way I do. Help me to look at my wife instead of looking at other women. Or help me to look at my husband as I should instead of other guys. Maybe help me to overcome addictions in my life. Maybe help me to, to stop smoking or help me to drink less. Help me to, 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 to say the right thing instead of always saying the wrong thing. A prayer to overcome. I bet one of your prayer requests is one of those three prayer requests. But the problem is we start to come to God asking for these things when we haven't even taken the keys to open the front door to the kingdom of God. We're trying to grab the answer before we've even opened the front door. So let's take another look at how this prayer goes. Jesus said this. This is how you pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your name be kept holy. Jesus is saying this to the disciples. He says, declare who Jesus is. Declare who God is. Declare who the Father is. Jesus here is declaring that the name of God is a holy name. Do you know what he's doing? He's opening the front door by worshiping God. He's bringing worship on to God. Bringing worth onto God. Did you know that God is king? He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of this universe. If you lived three, four, five hundred years ago, you would have lived under a king. And if you wanted to visit that king, do you know what you would have had to do? You would have to come into the throne room and you would have had to offer something to the king. So maybe you like had lots of sheep. You would come and bring one of the sheep. And give it to him. Maybe you grew like uh, grain or wheat or something like that. You would come and bring that to the king. Because whenever you came before the king, you would have to come and bring an offering to the king. And what Jesus is saying here, he says, when you come before the king of kings, you need to bring an offering unto the king. Not an offering of taking up money, but an offering of worship unto God. The Bible tells us, he says that we are to enter the gates of God with thanksgiving and we're to come into his courts with praise. When you are praying to God, you are coming into the courts of God. We're to come with thanksgiving and praise. You know, if you go to a baseball game, when baseball season starts again, before any game, before the start of any game, You'll all have to stand up, take your hats off, put your right hand on your heart, and sing or just listen to someone sing the national anthem. You're bringing an anthem onto the flag of the United States of America. And when you come before the king of kings, when you come into the kingdom of God, then the first thing that you must do is bring an anthem of praise and worship onto God. So many of us, we just come asking instead of coming in an act of worship. Do you know what worship is? Worship is an act of love and intimacy with God. And that's what we should do. 
But that's not it. That's not just it. Then he says this. Jesus says, Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your kingdom come. It's about looking at the kingdom of God before looking at ourselves. And I've discovered in my life, and it's only recently, I've been a, I've been a believer of Jesus Christ now for 29 years. And it's only recently I've discovered that I need to put the kingdom before me. The requests of the kingdom of God before the requests of Alex Pendick. Let me tell you what a kingdom kind of prayer is. This time last year, Raquel and myself, we went through a time of prayer and fasting. And we'd been praying for a baby. We'd been praying that God would provide for us. Nothing could seem happening at all. And we come to the end of uh, the time, uh, the end of the time when we were praying. And suddenly I felt something in my spirit, something in my heart, say, God is going to answer your prayer. In September of this year, actually it was Labor Day, just the day before Labor Day, we found out that we were pregnant. We'd actually been pregnant for about eight weeks, but we hadn't believed it. We'd seen the signs, but we didn't believe it. And, and, and we saw an answer to God's prayer. We didn't see the answer to prayer when, when we got the results back from the doctor saying the blood tests are coming positive. We didn't see the answer to prayer the moment that we saw the sonogram and we saw the baby in the belly and he looked like a little crazy alien, you know. We, we didn't see the answer to prayer when Raquel did like her, her like sixth or seventh pregnancy test. <laughs> she did so many. We didn't see the answer to prayer on one romantic July night that I just do not remember. Do you know when we saw the answer to prayer? It was in January of 2014. Six months before the event actually occurred, when conception actually happened. And it happened like this. We were nearing the end of our fast, and we would pray, and then we would come together and talk about what we prayed. And Raquel, with tears in her eyes, had said this. She goes, this is what I've just prayed. She says, I've realized that if I don't have a baby, it's okay. Because Jesus is enough. That's what she said. She said, I just prayed to God. I prayed that Jesus is enough. He is more than I need. And suddenly, as she said that, I just felt something in my spirit. And I knew that God had answered our prayer. You know why? Because that is a kingdom prayer. Saying, Jesus is enough. More than my needs. More than my requests. Jesus is enough. I believe that at that time, God gave Raquel the keys to the kingdom. And he says, go on. There's your permission. What do you want? What, what do you need? And this is what happened with Peter. See, the person with the keys to the kingdom is the person who realizes that Jesus is enough. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, verses 13. Uh, oh, sorry, Matthew uh, chapter uh, 16, verses 14 and 15. It says, Jesus says, well, 
They, they said, well, some replied, some say that you are John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and some say Jeremiah and one of the other prophets. Then Jesus asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter, he got up and he says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the one that we have to put our hope for tomorrow in and our trust for today in. You are more than enough. That's what he was saying. He says, you are the Messiah and you are more than enough for us. Suddenly, in this moment, he discovered that life is firstly about God. That God is first. That Christ is first. You know what I believe at that moment when he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God? He was declaring, thy kingdom come. Let the kingdom of God come. The kingdom of Jesus come. And you may know God today. You may have prayed a prayer once and asked God into your life. And you may know God, but I'm going to ask you, do you know the Christ? Do you really know Jesus? Is Jesus enough for you today? If those prayer requests that you have this year are never answered, is Jesus enough? If God does not provide the way that you want him to provide, is Jesus enough? If that marriage goes through hardship after hardship and it doesn't seem to be getting better, is Jesus enough? If that new job never comes, is Jesus enough? For you, if you never find the man or woman of your dreams, is Jesus enough? If you never get the baby that you've hoped for all your life, is Jesus enough? This year, we're going to declare thy kingdom come. We're going to talk next week about really how we let the kingdom of God into our lives and, and what that really means. There's some things that we're going to do. We're not just going to focus on Generation Church this year. We're going, to, we're going to help some others. We're going to help some church planters and some more missionaries and different people because it's not about us. It's about the kingdom of God. But we can't do that until we learn in our own lives that it's firstly about Jesus and it's not about us. It's about what Jesus wants. Because you know what will happen, and we'll talk about it next week. But the, Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, then everything else that you want will be given or added onto you. See, you can't have all this stuff without Jesus being first in your life. Is Jesus enough for you? You know, this year... We've got some big things, some big decisions that we're going to have to make as a church. We've got some huge prayer requests that we're having to make and some big faith that we're going to have to have for this year. But I've discovered if God gives or if God takes away, it's okay. Because Jesus is enough. 
And this year we're going to discover what happens when we give everything to Jesus. And then Jesus comes and gives you the keys to the front door. And what happens when you walk with the permission and the access to the kingdom of God. It's going to be an amazing year. But you know what it starts? It starts with declaring Jesus is enough. Let's bow our heads in prayer.